This week on Geek Explained, it's the finale of Saturday Morning September. Now that Batman the Animated Series has concluded, where does this iconic world go next? I'm joined by special guest Troyoboyo17 to discuss Batman the Animated Films. Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is the grand finale of Saturday Morning September, where we are celebrating 30 years of Batman the Animated Series by devoting the entire month to talking about this iconic show. Each week of the past three weeks, we've been covering it season by season, season one with Maddie Washburn from the Watchtower Database, season two with Doug from the For Every Kind of Geek YouTube channel, and season three with the best video machine himself, Matt Draper. This week, we have covered the entire show. Now we are diving into the films. We're talking Mask of the Phantasm. We're talking Batman, Mr. Freeze, Sub-Zero. We're talking Mystery of the Batwoman. Maybe we'll even talk about Batman and Harley Quinn. You'll just have to tune in to this conversation. And I am joined by the one, the only, the fan boy himself, Troyoboyo17. Very excited to share this conversation with you. I've been wanting to have Troy on the podcast for a while now, and we had a ton of fun. We also have, of course, this week's Comics Countdown, where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be checking out this week, so make sure you stay tuned after the jump for that. But for now, let's roll right on into the main event, the main course, the entree, if you will, as I and Troyoboyo17 ring out the end of Saturday morning September by covering Batman the Animated Films. Ladies and gentlemen, we've made it. This is the fourth installment in a series that I'm calling Saturday Morning September, where we are celebrating 30 years of Batman the Animated Series. That's right. I'm officially the same age as Batman the Animated Series. I guess I've always technically been the same age as Batman the Animated Series, but both of us turning 30 is very important to me. So we have been going through this entire month, going season by season, talking about how good this show is. And 
in this final episode, I think you've realized, if you've been listening, we're out of seasons to talk about. So what are we going to talk about? We're talking movies. And I am really pleased to uh, bring in and announce the guest for this week to close out our BTAS 30 series, a man who I think has a pretty good eye for films, especially of the cape shit variety uh, from YouTube. He's given me a real, real nervous look. It's it's Troy. Troy, welcome to the uh, welcome to the podcast. Been a long time Hi, coming. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. That's a lot of pressure, though, because now if I have a bad take, that's going to people are going to be like, oh, this guy knows, thinks he knows movies. But <laughs> that's OK. Good. Good. Any publicity is good publicity. This is so true. So true. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the podcast, man. Um, if our viewers aren't familiar with your stuff, uh, want to give us your your pedigree? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, uh, my name is Troy. Uh, I have a YouTube channel called Troy Boyo 17, uh, where I talk, you know, uh, mostly cape shit movies because that's that's, you know, that's what does well. Uh, but movies and in, 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 in TV and, and kind of pop culture in general, I have a series where I like called Fanboy Pre-Writes where I pitch uh, pitch upcoming movies and what I would like to see from them. Um, and some of them get kind of in depth. I just released a very big one today. <laughs> um, and I also have a podcast, uh, Fanboy Talk, that I do with my friend Mithy. Uh, which is direct competition to you, Eric. Direct competition. This is yeah. this is what we call, uh, in wrestling terms, the forbidden door. I'm yeah, bringing this on is, this Troy. This is the YouTube to... boxing match of podcasts. yeah. We're we're gonna start. Uh, Let's get, we're gonna where's do Matt Draper? What... Let's get him in this too. <laughs> we got to get Matt Draper. We're gonna bring everybody. Anybody who's ever been on a podcast ever, we're gonna bring in. We're gonna make a whole wrestling fed. It's gonna be great. That's the secret wars of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 like it's like civil war but multiverse. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Troy's channel's amazing. Uh, if you enjoy the Pitch It episodes of this podcast, you're going to love the pre-writes that he's done. As we're recording this, he just dropped part three of his Spider-Man trilogy, and it is a doozy. It is 45 minutes of unabashed love for Spider-Man. And uh, yeah, go check the podcast go check his channel out, go check his podcast out. We'll plug it again at the end, but I figured we'd get this out of the way so that you can go ahead and pause this, go check out his channel and then come back whenever you want. We're talking some uh, Batman, the animated series today. And I want to ask you before we get into the nitty gritty of the films, do you remember when you were introduced to the series and do you remember the first episode you watched? I, I have a weird relationship with BTAS specifically. I call it BTAS because, you know, that's how cool. comfortable. Yeah, we're cool. <laughs> um, uh, with, with, with the anime series specifically, I didn't really grow up with that show as much as a lot of other people I know in, like, the discourse have. Like, for me, the kind of DCAU, like, started with JLU with uh, Just League Unlimited. And, like, that was the one I was like, oh, this is my show. Yeah. And maybe just because Green Arrow was in it. I was like, oh, yeah, Green Arrow is in it. <laughs> there he is. Um, he's the best Green Arrow. <laughs> Um, but like I've obviously I'd seen Batman the animated series and stuff, but I think I mostly grew up with the 2004, 2005, the Batman show. Like that's what I was like, oh, because you know how like you're not conscious until like a certain age. I wasn't oh, conscious until until like 2005, which is really late. I was born. I was, I was like seven years old at that point. I was like, oh, hey, it's I'm, too late to be conscious. At this point, like I've now just turned conscious <laughs> at my thirtieth birthday. Yeah, you, so I, 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 I was like, oh, you're thirty. Oh, I didn't. You look like you look great, dude. That's all. I'm Thanks. Thinking. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. I'll Anytime. I'll expect you to tell me that every single time we talk. Of course so. I will. You know it. 
Um, but yeah, like I'd, I obviously had seen B-Test and stuff. I think the one episode I have very strong memories of is a, it's a, it's the one where like Dick and Bruce are going into like the, the Riddler's metaverse and there's like a roller coaster that's going back and forth, like around and around really fast. And I think yeah. like Jim Gordon was on it or some hostage was on that. Mm-hmm. That's the one. And I'm like, yeah, I got that one down. And yeah, then the, the rest the Riddler I, was ahead of his time. Yeah, he really was. He was the Mark Zuckerberg of a, of the, of the early 2000s. Jesus. <laughs> um, Jesus. But I, I, but I, but with, even with that, I'd seen the movies, uh, all the directs home, the, the direct to VHS and then the theatrical releases, like, those were like the Batman animated stuff up, up yeah. until, you know, the, the other shows and stuff. Um, and one we'll talk about today, mystery of the Batwoman was actually the first one. And so it was, it, that was, I had only seen it this week for this. And then like 15, 16 years ago when I was like a f- straight up toddler and I was oh, like, Oh, this is bringing yeah. back memories. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Th- th- that's, that's gotta be a rush. It's, I think the last time I watched Mystery of the Bow Woman was probably at least like five years ago. So it was weird coming back to yeah. it. Um, I had seen, obviously, Mass of the Phantasm was a huge thing, but it came out like the year after I was born. So I was much too young to remember anything <laughs> about that. So I think the first one that I watched was actually uh, Batman and Mr. Free Sub-Zero. Because famously, I've talked about on the podcast, my first ever Batman movie was Batman and Robin. It was my first Batman film that I'd ever seen. And this was supposed to be a tie-in. We're going to get to that later. But right, it was. Uh, I forgot about that. It's, it's fascinating to kind of look at these films. Because I think, so first one was Master Phantasm 1993. Next one was about five years later. Yeah, all three of these were five years apart. Interesting. It's, it's weird, like looking at the timeline of it. Yeah, because maybe just because the art style changed between BTAS and New Adventures. Yeah. Like, Mystery of the Batman feels like like 15 years after Sub-Zero. Yeah. That's so interesting. And it's it's fascinating, too. You look at the uh, the kind of timeline with the dcau uh for the first part of this we obviously had uh maddie washburn on from the watchtower database who's a big fan of yours he's a big fan uh, of maddie big fan of yours they've been uh they've been touting you and hyping you up as soon as i said like yeah troy's coming on they're like oh really oh fuck that's that's the big guest i love maddie that okay that's the other thing the big guest that puts a little too much pressure (laughs) on me too i got i was like oh okay so i gotta make sure i do a big intro i'm a d-lister of anything (laughs) d-lister for definitely the goat uh that's a good one that's thanks thanks that's top of my head this is uh (laughs) You're going to be unfiltered. The improv unedited. skills are out of this world. Well, you know, I did take uh, improv 101 out here in Los Angeles. So did I. I, I we, we it's tough. Guys. Yeah, it's it's tough. Improv is a is a tough game, but once you once you get comfortable with it, yeah. Once you, you get know, that yes and, it really it really starts to flow. It's all, it's all about that yes and. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're we're going to be talking about the three Batman films. Uh, four actually, technically, if you want to count uh, Batman and Harley Quinn, we're going to be getting yes. to that at the end. Uh, very got excited a lot to say about that movie actually we do and it's like yeah. we didn't know if we were gonna include it on this but i was i after re-watching it i was adamant we had to have it on scorching hot takes are gonna scorching hot takes that 
you think you've heard every every angle there is to look at that film just wait but let's go ahead and dive in let's do this first film uh mask of the phantasm 1993 uh is directed by eric radomsky and bruce tim written by a legendary team alan burnett and paul dini with help by martin pasco michael reeves uh, this this film's interesting because originally this this film was put into production. Warner Brothers said, "Make us a film after the rave reviews that season one got." Everybody was feeling Batman mania, Batmania, Batmanomania, one of those. Yeah, you choose. And they were like, "We got to have a direct-to-video uh, movie. We got to have this, and it's got to be." original story we don't want it adapting anything so alan burnett's like cool let's have batman be captured in arkham asylum by the inmates and put on trial and he has to fight his way out and if that sounds really familiar that's the episode batman trial (laughs) and when alan burnett brought this pitch to warner brothers they're like ah it's too think pc kids aren't gonna get it kids aren't gonna get batman being on trial so they're like okay we'll go back to the basics and introduce the grim reaper and mob crime that'll be way more kid friendly and the the movie is influenced by a few things uh looking this up this is wild obviously uh it takes a lot of inspiration from batman year two which is if you haven't heard of batman year two it's the comic where batman has a gun that's that's the main one if you're like oh cool i've read year one let's go read year two different team different art style large dip in quality the false marketing of that is (laughs) i kind of commend it actually it's it's sort it's like it's it's there's some genius level to that it's just like tricking people into watching into engaging in your media that i really respect yeah it's not to say that it's good but it's it's as clickbaity as it gets. It's like, hey, did you love Frank Miller and David Mazzuccelli's Year One? Well, you know what that comic was missing: guns, <laughs> and also a different creative team. But Batman <laughs> with guns, and it's clearly a sequel to Year One. It's the, the false advertising. Even just either way, we're not going to get into that story. Yeah, it's a bad story. Real life clickbait is just funny to me. But the main villain of that story was a character called the grim reaper whose design very heavily influenced the phantasm in this and then they also looking into this and looking into interviews they took inspiration from citizen kane for this film I could see which that. i find odd um some of the framing i get and they they said specifically for like the flashbacks when it came to organized crime and you know the fact that when the joker dies he says rosebud they they really laid on i don't know why i didn't pick that up before but it's it's fascinating that they wanted to go that direction they used citizen kane specifically after they told alan burnett that trial was too think pc for kids but I wonder if that the, was like intentional. I wonder if like, oh, if that's a problem. All right, well, we'll do Citizen <laughs> Kane. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're like, okay, I'm a, I'm I'm gonna show them. <laughs> but yeah, so they originally they wanted this to be a direct to video. They wanted it to be like a continuation of the series, and then like six months into working on this, Warner Brothers came in, classic Warner Brothers, and said, hey, we're going to release this in theaters and you have a year to make this. Oh, jeez. Now, the uh, for 
people who don't know, it takes generally at least two years to make a film. And so they put their feet to the fire and they said, you are going to make a movie for us. We're going to expand your budget to $6 million and you're going to make our movie. And to their credit, they completed the film from start to finish in eight months. And they got it just in time to release on Christmas Day in 1993. Now, that's fucking wild to me <laughs> that they were able to get that done especially an animated movie which like animation is a whole other process like two years for live action is standard and animation's like more like three or four yeah nowadays yeah and it's it's interesting because you take the the thought process of like okay we are definitely gonna make this movie it's gonna be a great blockbuster release people are gonna like run out to you know rent this thing from their local blockbuster y'all remember blockbuster and they decided no we're gonna make this a movie movie because we've had now two batman movies and they've done pretty well with michael keaton in the role of batman and the cast i think was a large reason why they wanted to continue on the success of this film because i mean you got your Kevin Conroy, you got your Mark Hamill, the icons of Batman and Joker. Um, but they also added a couple uh, couple actors that I do want to highlight. Dana Delaney plays Andrea Beaumont. If you aren't familiar with that name, she played Lois Lane in the Superman the Animated Series. Oh, that's why I, that's, I was like, oh, she sounds familiar. Why do I know this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she's she's incredible. She does a great job here. I believe this was before Superman the Animated Series. Yeah, that So this was what got her foot in the door with that whole thing. And then we also got Stacey Keach as Carl Beaumont slash the Phantasm, a uh, longtime television actor. But this cast man i mean it's it's iconic yeah i like i i feel like it's it's i remember like years ago there was always like a, the, the debates of like oh who's the best batman in movies and if you include this it's just there's no contest i'm yeah. sorry <laughs> i love everybody especially rob i love rob mm-hmm. you're not touching this you're not t- nobody's coming anywhere close to this for the next like 100 years i feel like if yeah. we're even making movies after 100 years no way not and and you see how much staying power that he has because they brought him back for the arkham games and they basically made that hey it's kind of a sequel to the animated series and kind of not because everybody's really adult now but yeah him and then also of course pairing in uh mark hamill's joker who originally from what i've uh researched wasn't supposed to have a large role in this but the more that they started like fleshing out the story they're like okay well we gotta include him here okay we gotta include him here until he became the main villain of that makes a lot of sense like because i because i I always like split up the movie into like okay the first like two acts are very joker free and then it's a really heavy joker movie at the end and it works really well i think it's really great but it it is very it, you can tell that it's like, oh, this is a late decision. That's very interesting for sure. Not in a bad way, but in like a production, interesting way. Absolutely. And having I think. It it feels like you you would be missing something if it was if he wasn't there, right? Yeah. Like it's like the first big animated series film. These are the two names, arguably, that people remember the most from that and you you gotta have them in there right like yeah. they're they're too good not to um also on the uh on the first part we maddie and i talked about the original casting for the joker being um uh tim curry 
and they sent me a clip of Tim Gurry's Joker, and it is wild to hear his voice. Because I know I know Mark like auditioned for like some like minor character. Yeah, he wanted to be Clayface. Yeah, not not that Clayface is a minor character thing, but. That's I I didn't I didn't know it was Tim Curry was the initial was like the the original pick. That's it. That's not a terrible choice though. I'm yeah, open to and, that. In general, like Tim Curry, like you think about Tim Curry and all the stuff that he's done is like yeah, like it's obviously he would be a good pick. And I think it was yeah. like either due to scheduling or they like got halfway through because he did at least like half of the first season like oh, recorded really? in the bank and then they decided to go the different direction and mark hamill came on and basically mm. had to redub over all of his lines i wonder if part of it was because tim curry was like i mean mark was a household name but like star wars had been over for like 10 years at that point right so i wonder if maybe that was part of it too that tim curry was just a bigger more expensive name that was just maybe. a production issue i mean i'm glad it worked out because you know for sure it worked out pretty well <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's Mask of the Phantasm, I think, is one of those iconic films. Like we did a whole uh retrospective with Matt Draper on the Batman films, and we both were like, it's obviously Mask of the Phantasm at the top. Like, there's no question. Like, do you have a personal like ranking of where this would slot in for your Batman films? I think like uh, I don't know. I I it's it's I think the 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 Rob one has currently topped it just like a little bit. It's real good, but it's it's one of those things where it's like in the letterbox review ranking thing. It's gonna look <laughs> like it's an equal distance thing, but they might as well just be up at the same spot at number one because <laughs> they're both like fantastic in like kind of different ways that I like adore. For sure. um, like obviously the casting for this one is peak, you know, and like it's amazing as as good as everybody is in the twenty twenty two one. It's like you get, like I said, you can't top it and the the i think the music in this was this it's 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 the best of everything about batman the animated series which is inherently the best of everything about batman yeah where the new one is this kind of like it's almost like a not necessarily a reconstruction but it's a very different take than we've seen and i think that's why it feels so fresh you know yeah and like you said the music in this is incredible like shirley walker had been doing the lord's work on that show all the way through but like this one she was like okay i am literally going to just unfurl everything that i have on you we got the we got the movie budget we're gonna go for it yeah <laughs> and she was like you know what we need a choir and that like that opening like yeah. going through the buildings and you got the like oh like the voice is actually going like it's hype as hell yeah just the first like five minutes in general that first opening scene even before we meet yeah. phantasm like that's like peak i'm at like i wish i could see this in the theater because i feel like that would have been like such a, a fantastic experience of like oh whoa this is true like unadulterated like genuine like batman experience right now you know because it, it kind of opens on like a like oh we're just jumping into it oh oh batman yeah. reveal it's like there's a there's a sweet character reveal of batman For that's sure. like you would you like you wouldn't normally expect in I guess what was initially supposed to be a home video release, but now is, you know, put in theaters. And I wonder if that's part of it. Yeah. It is very cinematic. Just yeah. having the opening with the mob and then you just come crashes through and he rises up. It's I'm kind of hoping if, you know, 
Warner Brothers Discovery makes it to next year <laughs> that they'll uh, they'll do like a 30th anniversary. Like, let's put it in theaters. Oh, please. Like, that would be dope as hell. They do that. But then they knowing them, they'd be, make it like CGI. Like they, like they do over the whole thing. They do what the Netflix did with that Pokemon movie. And it's like the same movie, but just oh, a reanimated shit, one. Right. <laughs> nobody talks about that enough. That was weird. You, you know, I think there's a reason nobody talks about it. Yeah, it was fair. bad, man. <laughs> I remember going to see Pokemon, the first movie in theaters and being in line with my little plastic Pokeball that had a gold card in it. And I was all mad because that it was the same night as the final episode of the Frieza saga for Dragon Ball Z. And I had to pick one. I have a very vivid memory of that. And so like when they were like, all right, we're doing the first movie again. And I'm like, okay why we're gonna do it better <laughs> by better i mean uglier <laughs> by better we mean worse <laughs> yeah but, i don't have yeah. a huge amount of faith in warner brothers right now but that's a whole conversation i don't, I don't either N- knowing them they'd be like okay we're gonna do a full like rollout 30th anniversary batman mask of the phantasm and then two weeks before it's supposed to drop they're like we're scrapping it we need the yeah. tax dollars <laughs> <laughs> we're like kevin hart will voice batman <laughs> To, to line up with super pets which super pets is a banger I, I will say super pets was really good i have to take your word for it it's because i good. just like, i can't surprisingly very fun i can't get behind john krasinski as super no, I, listen listen you're talking to me i, I know. know i know for, for listeners if you don't know like troy is as big of superman fan as i am and i'm like, still working on that superman short by the way it's it's, it's coming eventually one day, one one day. day. At, at this point i'm gonna just send you new lines because like my no, yours are still great yours are still perfect i just gotta draw this but shit. i've up but i've upgraded my equipment now troy it's gonna sound good anyway all right anyway we have to uh sorry sorry for the super pets uh derail (laughs) i i have heard nothing but good things about that movie but i just i can't get over the krasinski of it all so i'm gonna have to i'll I'll take your word for it but it's got nothing on phantasm i won't lie though yeah (laughs) can you imagine somebody being like phantasm super pets and doing the stupid like greater than to be like, fair i think i would do that for for the joke i think you would, would do be it the for the clout. i think me me or cole would do that for the clout tweet <laughs> i don't know cole cole's on a cole's on specifically the scorsese game so i don't know if he would accept but what if we tell him that scorsese animation. made super pets oh <laughs> you know he, he just might do it <laughs> shout out to cole um yeah it's uh it's it's interesting weird and i mean this is gonna probably leak in throughout but we're recording this after all the batgirl warner brothers discovery nonsense and the fact that they tried to save or recover three billion dollars and lost 20 billion in the effort just money moves is what we call that yeah (laughs) it's great business great leadership right there thanks dave Release Batgirl. Just do it. Release Batgirl. Just do it. Somebody release so, Batgirl least, on Yeah, Voodoo. somebody leak it. So, hey, uh, Leslie, can you go film it while you're doing your funeral screenings? <laughs> yeah, some, I want someone to bring in, like, the little shitty, like, torrent cam and just record <laughs> the funeral screening. And I want, it to, I want that to be, like, the director. I want, Or, like, the cinematographer <laughs> has the worst possible camera. <laughs> and he's got to put, like, the Russian, uh, what is it, the uh, stamp on it like oh, right geez, in the middle right, yeah the intercutting with the slot slide says yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry i wouldn't know anything about that we watched everything legally 
absolutely i've never no, torrented a thing in my life yeah. <laughs> yar uh it's but going back to this this film is uh it's one of those special like you remember everything when you start up this film it feels big time it feels like an event and the plot is basically this you know batman encounters a brand new uh villain vigilante question mark in the phantasm who's going after the mob it's batman versus the mob my favorite kind of bat my favorite kind of superhero story i love yeah. superheroes versus the mob it's just it it, it makes me feel good and <laughs> i think it's a little it's a little italian it's a little anti-italian for my taste but i get it only if you only associate the italian with the mob i Listen, mean i am italian so <laughs> oh <yes>. shit <laughs> oh shit <laughs> Is that why there's a guy sitting outside my my hey, home? Not disrespect my family. Gabagool, indeed. <laughs> uh, but it's it's really it's fascinating that they kind of took a grounded approach with it instead of going yeah. like really like bombastic and including a bunch of villains. Really, the only big time rogue is the Joker, who they then give an origin story to that no, he's part of the mob too. That reveal, I will, I will never forget as a child watching that for the first time and staring at that photo the same way Bruce was, and then he draws the smile and my little kid brain exploding. It's such a, it's such a like clean, clever reveal because you've you, we've met this character, not like met him, but we've seen him in the flashbacks and we're You're like, the oh, cool guy, a cigarette little, flip, a little creepy, little slimy little guy. I don't like yeah. this guy. Oh, he's probably he's, he probably seems like he'd be a bit of a clown. <laughs> and then and then Bruce is just like, huh? And then draws a little smiley face and it's like, oh my god! And it sounds silly when you like say it, but it works really well in the movie and it has no right to. And I really love that. I want to hear the people who like vehemently defend this film then criticize the El Rada Alada thing in, <laughs> yeah. in Batman 2022 and be like, you can't have it both ways. Listen, all mysteries are, all uncovering a mystery is just looking at something in a weird way, in a silly way. <laughs> I'm just surprised nobody's done that with Superman yet, but. Oh, it's coming. It's, it's coming. coming. Somebody's going to just draw glasses on a picture. Wait, I, one of my favorites is this artwork. I don't remember who it's by. But it's uh, Lois Lane is like, you know, posting this picture of her and Superman on Instagram. And it just does that whole, would you like to tag Clark Kent? And she's like, <laughs> the fuck? That's, like, cool. I like that. That's fun. So I, I I, think even with like the, the as an adult looking at it as a kind of dumb thing, it's just, it's a mind blowing well, it's, it's, revelation. It's, it, it, which is, it's, it's, it's like, it, despite being this silly little it, it works both for you know like younger audiences but it is a is such a solidly built up reveal yeah that like if you don't know what's coming it that is a good moment you know when yeah, you know you when you know around. it's coming you're like oh bruce just drew a smile on this picture but like when when it's your first time it's like oh crap you know yeah and it's also what i like is it's also a love story it's yeah. basically like i mean i almost hate to make the comparison but it's you know it's daredevil and electra it's this young you know this young love that eventually had to be turned away for plot reasons and then she comes back as this killer psycho killing mob people it's almost a one-to-one -one comparison really, if you think you're right it. i've never thought about it until literally like putting the notes together for this and i was like 
this is Batman's Electra saga. And That's Joker's so bullseye, and they both die in the flames. Like it's it's incredible. Because I think, like, I think it works because it's like I think it's just a it's I wouldn't call it a trope. It's just a dynamic that's always right. interesting of the the character. I mean, it's it's similar to why we love Batman and Catwoman together because right. it's the character who's kind of like he's so stricken to this moral code, and then you have the one person who like is kind of pushing that a little bit. Either like Catwoman with like you know she's a, she's a, she's stealing from rich people. And with yeah. with Andrea, she's like, "Hey, maybe sometimes it's okay." <laughs> and I I think I, I I it's always a fun dynamic that like it, I I think it works really well both in here and in Daredevil and anything else. Agreed, especially anything in Daredevil works. Really anything well. most things in Daredevil work very well. Most Shadowlands, especially uh, Mark Wade's Daredevil. Yeah. I just yes. I have officially become the Mark Wade defender on uh, on Twitter. Weird how Mark Wade needs a defender, but that's a that's a whole thing yeah weird how anyone can fault anyway that's gonna be a whole fucking it's gonna be a whole two hours before we get back to this uh but yeah another super pets rant (laughs) okay i'll give you 30 minutes for super pets you give me 30 minutes for mark wade okay that sounds good yeah we'll we'll split the difference (laughs) but uh yeah it's the thing i really like about this too is that it gives you almost an origin story for both joker phantasm and batman like, we yeah. get to see young, dumb Bruce Wayne, like, running around in a ski mask, trying to be, you know, his leather jacket, like, fear me! And everyone's just like, is this is this just this guy? And you get to see him kind of building up that persona and him... I mean, we don't get to see him ring the bell, but we do get that incredible moment of him putting the mask on for the first time and yeah. Alfred just being like horrified. Yeah, it's so it's so cool. And like it, this is kind of it's it's interesting you say that this is a year two adaptation or it's like yeah. they took his break because there are a lot of elements that are similar, at least like in spirit to year one. Absolutely. Like with, with like what you said with the ski mask and, and like the trying to figure out the symbol of him and stuff. Maybe that's and I think that's why I don't need to see a year one ever adapted i mean mm-hmm. begins tr- kind of did it but begins isn't really your one adaptation your one begins is just a yeah. it's a movie about where batman begins um <laughs> wait a second I, we hey. should call it that. <laughs> hey that's the name of the movie <laughs> um, yes sir it is <laughs> uh and i think like i think that's really clever of this movie because it's like i think not to quote stan lee or anything but i think stan lee made a quote one time where it was like every comic you should treat like it's somebody's first one. Um, and I, 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 I think I want to say it was the, the leak quote. I can't remember. Um, and this is sort of similar in that it's like, if you don't know Jack about Batman for whatever reason, if you like have been living under a rock and are f- somehow culturally unaware, uh, like you could watch this and be like, Oh, okay. He's a guy that's a bat. His parents died. I get it. You know, <laughs> but you don't need, but they don't hammer home a whole origin. You just see kind of, the aftermath of the origin, which I think is a really interesting way to do it. Yeah. And, and they definitely do take more stuff from year one as well. Like my favorite thing that I think should be in every Batman adaptation is Batman running from the cops. There's something magical about Batman running from the cops. And again, the Batman did this recently to great effect. I've been loving the, uh, everyone recutting it with different music him just running from the cops whether it's like the or else like the (laughs) other like i watched this video where they recut it and they just basically cycled through it a bunch of times just with each batman theme going every time i haven't seen that it's yeah 
I I love there's something about Batman like struggling to get away from the cops and this specific version of it where he's like desperately trying to escape he has to go through the rooftops and he's like unmasked and like so there's like the concern about the identity too yeah and then it ends up getting saved by andre at the end like it's it's a wonderful sequence and like that's i mean that's one of the things i loved about uh about amazing spider-man too is just like having anytime superheroes have to run from the cops there's something about that like it reinforces the idea that these are inherently anti-fascist characters not to yes. get all crazy with that sort of but like they are no, and for sure. like we but we certain people have kind of co-opted them to be not that so it's yeah. always good to get a reminder of like no they, these guys are cops they're they're not they're better <laughs> <laughs> they they are vigilantes and vigilantes yep. are just inherently anti-cop yeah but yeah it's it's a wonderful film i think it's it's one of those benchmarks that we look at, right? It's the moment where you have to have, you have to have a certain baseline for quality. And this is the film that as, you know, as a kid seeing this, I was like, okay, granted, I have also recently watched Batman and Robin and also Batman sub zero, but this is the benchmark. Everything has to be as good as this, yeah. Or it else ruined, it's trash. It ruined every, it ruined movies basically by just being at, good. At least Batman movies for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like after this, it was like okay, you know, Conroy or bust at this yeah. point. <laughs> but I, I think it's uh, th- there's also a scene that ruined just shit for me for a little while as a kid. Uh, there's a scene where Phantasm is going after uh, Valestra, this old old guy who went to go like ask the joker for help which makes me question like do do the mob people just know joker's origin and everyone's just like like i've never thought about it before but valestra comes to the joker because of their previous history yeah. together i would, so i guess certain... people, i guess he still is like recognizable like you see like you see a you guy see his joker. face is painted white and he's got green hair and like oh that's that's my friend from 20 years ago okay he, you think weird. they take he's... the newspaper and they take like an they eraser and erase off the red lips? <laughs> like, wait a second! It's like it's not like he's disguised or anything. He's just smiling. Yeah. So I, I, he'll probably just recognize him, maybe. For sure. He says, hey, that's the guy. And just didn't say anything. But, or it would uh, be really funny if everybody knows Joker's origin besides Batman. <laughs> besides Batman, he's like, mm, I just, I don't, I don't know. And Gordon's just like, <laughs> you, we've arrested oh. this guy. <laughs> He's so got many his fingerprints. Ta- We've got fingerprints on him. No, he wears gloves. He doesn't leave fingerprints. Like God, shit. he's a clown. I don't <laughs> understand. Clowns are inherently anti-mob. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there, there's this moment where the phantasm comes in to like kill this old man, and he, you know, she turns the chair around, and he's like all jokered out. That shit gave me nightmares for days. Like as a kid, they just in general, this universe was like, especially the movies. I know we're going to talk, we're not going to talk about it today, but Return of the Joker, like that was, that's always been my favorite of the movies, personally. Yeah. Um, Like, that's like a DC for the way I rank movies is weird. Don't think about it. Um, (laughs) uh, Like, in terms, but that movie was freaky. That movie freaked me the hell out. And like, I could not imagine, like, 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 yeah, it's it's a similar thing with, with Phantasm and stuff. They, they were not afraid to make Joker nightmare fuel which is really fun i love that scare more kids scare more More kids kids need to be scared (laughs) 
scare more kids. That's the problem with today's generation. There's, kids don't see enough scary clowns in their Batman movies. Okay, as a person who does not does not fuck with clowns, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna make draw the line in the sand with that Listen, one. I don't either, but like it's it, you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes you gotta you gotta figure out if you're a clown guy or you're not a clown That's, guy. That's just. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with just a little bit of trauma. A little bit of trauma is you okay. You could quote me on that one. <laughs> I mean, look at Batman. Just a yeah, little bit of trauma. He turned up fine. He turned out great. Wrong with <laughs> nothing. No inherent mental issues. <laughs> so this film is has had long-reaching, um, a long-reaching legacy. You've seen recently in the uh, Tom King Batcat comic. They brought Phantasm into the comics. Um, there's a lot actually brought from this film into the Arkham games. Yeah. Uh, Wonder City, as basically they you in Arkham City, th- is basically like a rehash of the world of tomorrow from this from this uh, from this film, even down to some of the uh, the voice lines and some of the designs. And there's a lot that you can look at this film and it's like, if this is the only animated Batman film that you've watched, I get it. It's great. Yeah. But there are other Batman films to also talk about, specifically Batman and Harley Quinn, which we are going to get to. Yes. But we're going to pivot a little bit now. Five years later, after Mask of the Phantasm released, we got Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero. Specifically, if you look at it, it's sub capital Z zero. 90s logos were wild. I, I love can't. it. I, maybe that was to distinguish from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> like, we don't want people to think that Scorpion's got to show up. Yeah. We, just... <laughs> we couldn't afford Steve Bloom for this. <laughs> They're like, we're, we're still a years off from Mortal Kombat versus the DC Universe, which is a <laughs> wild game that That's no a... one remembers. I Oh, yeah, I forgot, I forgot about it. It was. It's the only Mortal Kombat game where you can't kill anyone, and it's incredible. I, I love that for the identity of the series. I think that's fun. <laughs> so this film, directed uh, by Boyd Kirkland, written by Boyd Kirkland and Randy Rogel, uh, was essentially kind of kicked around because even though Mask of the Phantasm is incredible, we just spent all this time talking about how good it was. It did not do well box office wise. It was a theatrical flop. And so they were basically like, you know what? Next one's going straight to straight to VHS. And maybe if, you know, it ever takes off, we'll put it on DVD as well. But probably not. VHS is the way of the future. And <laughs> hey, they don't forget laser discs. Oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Got to get those eight tracks in there. Um, but they were basically like, okay, we know this film, Batman and Robin's coming out. It's 1997. We need a tie-in film that has Batman and Mr. Freeze in it. And they're like, okay, cool. They made it. Sub-Zero was great. Batman and Robin released. And people were not super jazzed about that film. (laughs) They were not super jazzed about that film. And so Warner Brothers, in a strangely uh, clever decision, were like, hey, we're going to push this back like a year just to get some distance between this and that. And so it was technically, I guess you could say it was the finale for like the original like BTAS era because it's the last film or 
really DCAU anything that used those specific designs. That's right. But it was also, and I thought this was wild, it's the final uh, BTAS film to use cell animation. That's what it is. Because it, it looks different and it looks, yeah. I mean, it looks great. It's, this movie's gorgeous. It's, it's, I forgot yeah. how good that film looks. It's pretty. The last act, I was like, whoa, this lighting is killer. Yeah. And even, even the use of like some of the CGI vehicles is not like super. Uh, yeah. It's it doesn't take you out CGI. of it. Yeah. And I thought this was wild. From when it released in 1998, it had the highest Rotten Tomatoes score for Batman films until 2010. Interesting. Right? Sub Zero, more more than more than Phantasm. Phantasm, from what I understand, sat at a eighty-seven percent, and Sub Zero was ninety. Interesting. For straight, f- I guess for straight to DVD, it might have been like that's a different like reviewer audience, but still, that's very that's very impressive. But even twenty ten, like, what was twenty? What was twenty ten? Was it Batman Under the Red Hood? Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's it's a, a great one. movie. I love that one. That's it's a, a great one. movie. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to have you more come than, back wait, wait, and talk about that higher one. than all of the higher than the entire nolan trilogy higher than the entire no well, higher than anything until 2010 wild i like i don't really care about rotten tomatoes it's a whole like system that doesn't matter yeah. but that's still wild i love that Good and it's them. incredible that even as like the advent of like these batman films were coming out by nolan everyone still was like nah but sub-zero's way yeah, better Sub-Zero, like, yeah. it's gotta be sub-zero man <laughs> And then it was uh, it was released March seventeenth, nineteen ninety eight. So they again pushed it back. And this film was notable because it brought in some extra players. Obviously, we brought in Michael and Sarah as Mister Freeze, iconic. The voice, the entire character design, the fact that they redid this entire character for the series. Um, he deserved his own film after all of the amazing stuff that we got from like Heart of Ice. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Cold Comfort. Just great, great stuff all around. Uh, we also got uh, a name that I don't think gets talked about enough, Robert Costanzo as Harvey Bullock. Iconic. Like, you want you want to talk about some, like, iconic noir characters? Robert Costanzo's Bullock is just, like, he's the tops for me. Yeah. If I ever, like, and, th- and this is true, because I'm a voice actor as well, if you aren't aware and I you're a very good voice actor thank you you're great Um, eric for wolverine thank you superman and anything eric for every role i'm in i'm in (laughs) uh i have to tell you but just as a quick aside the greatest fucking shock i've had watching a youtube video was (laughs) troy did this video recently where he was talking about the new uh wolverine video game and like his wish list and all of a sudden in the middle of this video he just goes yeah, and Eric should be Wolverine. And it just, my fucking face is on his YouTube video. And I was like, what the hell? It like, took me a long I, time to Photoshop you onto the, onto the, the, the Hugh Jackman body. I was like trying to find a good angle of, of, of Hugh Jackman. <laughs> I'm glad that video did well because at the very, like, that's getting like, that got views on that hashtag at least. It did. It was nice. I was hell surprised. Yeah. I went in. I was, it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's been, you know, it started out as a joke hashtag, and all of a sudden, it's gaining traction. We'll get there someday. Keep your eyes locked for that Marvel Games showcase in September That's for right. no reason. I'm not promising. I can't at all promise anything because 
anyway, back to Batman. Um, but I, my, my point is, whenever I'm like, okay, I got to do like a like a mobster character or like a beat cop character, I always go instinctually without meaning to to Robert Costanzo's Bullock. Yeah, he's because he's, he's got the classic cop yeah. voice. He's the Zack Snyder of of cop voices. Blueprint. <laughs> he's built different. He's the blueprint. He's he's our Lord and Savior. Release the bullet <laughs> cut, I guess. Uh, and we also had, I would say, arguably the the other two main characters, if not the leads here, Lauren Lester's Robin mm-hmm. and Mary Kay Bergman's Batgirl. Yeah, a lot of people forget how good Mary Kay Bergman's Batgirl She's is. Great. She's fantastic. Everybody is more. Uh, more familiar with Tara Strong's and yeah. Tara Strong's incredible. She's great, but there's something about Bergman's Batgirl like that just feels different. And I don't know if it's like, she just feels more mature or like when she, ro- when she rolls up to the gala event that they're having, I'm like, that's a lady. That's a bad woman. Like it's, it's hey, wild. Not, hey, we're not in that movie yet. Hey, Wait, you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, it's, but they have the little moment with like Dick and Gordon who he's, he's just like, wow, you know, she's uh she's, she's a looker. And he's just like, yeah, Hey, watch it, pal. <laughs> and I, I love scenes like that. Anytime That's we great. have Jim Gordon going, watch where your hands are. I want the door <laughs> at least six inches open six when inches. you're over at my house. <laughs> Honestly, like, uh, uh, what, what, Hopper would be a pretty good, uh, he'd be pretty good. Um, pretty good jim gordon he I would sure. yeah he, though i i don't know if he'd if he'd call a man enough for me after watching true, true. after watching the batman because now anytime i see jim or gordon, would he call like, him boy oh, isn't man. Hellboy? oh the boy there we go it's like the there boy the boy has to stay away <laughs> the boy can't come around my daughter <laughs> but yeah lord lester's robin and i've talked about this before um was like my robin like was my guy growing up i was like that's that's goals. Like you, you want to know what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be this guy, <laughs> especially when he got really grew that sick mullet. Like oh God, mullet, I love the mullet. That's my goals. <laughs> but did any of the uh, any of the performances stick out to you in this one? I mean, aside, I mean, uh, like like you said, uh, Batgirl is fantastic in it, and I, I she caught me like kind of off guard because I was expecting Tara Strong because yeah. I think because because was Tara Strong in the New Adventures? Is she that was she... only in the New Adventures. Okay, because I think that's because that's what I had seen the most. I was like, okay, so yeah. Tara Strong is, is Batgirl in this, and in and and the other actress whose name I do forgot again. Um, <laughs> she because I'm really terrible with names. We'll find out when we do Batwoman because I don't remember anybody's name in that movie. Um. <laughs> But the 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 other actress, I was like, whoa, there's something like, and I like, I love Tara Strong, she's great, but there was like something like so fluid almost to her yeah. voice, like everything felt so natural and mature, like you said, and it 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 caught me off guard, especially because she's in it so so much, she really carried that role, for sure, and yeah. it's she's kind of like what the whole plot is based around, yeah. Because if you if you never watched it, first of all, go watch it. It's on HBO Max. <laughs> watch it before they inevitably watch, take watch it off before that service is dead <laughs> because they're going to delete the entire dc catalog soon um i'm not saying that's going to happen i'm just saying it could happen it's probably going to happen it's probably going to happen not to be the not to be the negative guy <laughs> not to be that billionaire's guy hey but... hey that was two that's so two years ago that's right it's all about ao now it's ao troy <laughs> oh, this is troy's ao era <laughs> 
I regret wishing you happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to expect an AO on my birthday every single year All from right. now on. Oh, I can do that. I don't if I you're not that. in our group chat, this whole thing means nothing a, to you. That's a joke for, for like 12 people. <laughs> and only those 12 people specifically. <laughs> And specifically for Maddie Washburn, who is yeah. probably on his or on their uh, their second listen of this, <laughs> but <laughs> but no, Barbara Gordon is like the central character of this because it starts out Mister Freeze is living the life, living the dream up in the Arctic. He's just he's swimming with his polar bears. John Peters is probably having a field day. He's like superheroes and polar bears. I gotta have it. When a uh, submarine busts through, cracks open Nora's containment, and oh shit, now it's a race against time to try and save Nora. They find out they need to do an organ transplant. And guess who's the only available organ donor? It's your old pal, Barbara Gordon. So they kidnap her. We get the thing that I need in every Batman movie, which is a car chase of some kind. It's a great car chase. It's not even just a car chase. It's a Robin car chase. Exactly. Robin goes full Tokyo drift on a motorcycle this whole way through. And there's a moment where at the beginning he takes this guy's motorcycle, pop, you know, flicks in the keys. It's like, Hey, or take my Corvette, like a trade and just drives off. (laughs) And from then on, it's my favorite sequence in the entire movie. Like we need more car chases in superhero films. Agree. And if Robin Robin. does show up in the Batman films, Exactly. We need more Robin. We need more Dick Grayson, Tim Drake, maybe Jason Todd, maybe, maybe Damian just, Wayne. I like Damian. In time. Yeah, Damian's we'll good, but he, he benefits maybe from all the other people. Like, maybe it him. takes like 10 years to get good, so I get it. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta wait on him. Damian is, only, Damian is at his best when he has Dick Grayson as Batman. Yes. That's I, my I hot I agree take. with that. <laughs> but you get this great car chase. Um, I have this in my notes as well. This is the first time we hear Am I Blue? in the DC animated universe, which would go on to be the the thing that a lot of people know Kevin Conroy's Batman for is singing. Am I blue in that oh, justice league episode? I forgot about that. Yeah. I forgot about it too. Until it's like, it's the scene where, uh, where they're calling her roommate and it's on the radio. They're playing. Oh Am God. I blue? I didn't even notice that. That's a, that's, that's fun. That's a fun little Easter egg. And the thing about this too, just like talking about music for a second, the music in these films, but especially in this film specifically slaps. Like the use of jazz in BTAS is impeccable. And all of the, just the sound design and the music in general for this is really freaking good. But you get, you know, Batman and Robin get eventually uh, involved. And then we go to that classic oil tanker from Man of Steel, which is perpetually on fire. And listen, Aquaman's get, having a field day with it. He's like, hey, we got to stop this thing. And he keeps blowing it up. They keep building it. He's just doing backstrokes around the oil rig. Like, <laughs> guys, what are I we doing here? Stop. And this is hook. This is hook hand Aquaman. Who's just like, everybody's, I, <laughs> I hate this. I hate this. But, uh, shirtless Henry Cavill is distracting everybody. That's the problem. It's, that's that's what it is. Shirtless Henry Cavill causing oil rig malfunctions. That's. <laughs> That's what he's known for. You look him up, yeah. look up his Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, like I was surprised because I hadn't watched this film in at least 10, 15 years. And I was surprised at how much I loved this thing. Like he even gets um, uh, Mr. Freeze even gets 
and I hate to make this comparison because, but I can say it because I'm Asian. No one else can say it. I can say it, but he gets his own short round who is this, he's this kid who like gets to pal around with him. And I, I don't know. I love giving Mr. Freeze this, you know, this kid sidekick who doesn't really understand. Oh, he used to be a bad guy. Oh, these are bad guy things that we're doing. And he forms this really like sweet bond with Barbara. Yeah. And we find out that she's going to be hurt. He's like, this is bad. You're doing bad things. No, I, I love that. I totally agree. I love that character. I, it's so interesting. Like I think other, most other Batman villains I couldn't work with, but I think no. because Mr. Freeze is like so at least, you know, the, after the retooling from, from BTS, like he's such an inherently empathetic character. Right. Or not empathetic necessarily, but like sympathetic, like you feel for him and like you feel his intentions are good, but he's just kind of like gone off on, on to a path to achieve these goals and stuff. Yeah. To have this kid to kind of like be a sort of grounding mechanism morally works right. really, really well for, for any stories with him. And I really, really appreciate I, I thought that worked really well. Yeah. He, also he really cool represents... to see indigenous people in any yeah. movie. Love that. Do more of that. Yeah. And he also he almost gets to kind of play the role of the son that he and Nora never got to have. Yeah. Which I mean, I guess it's never addressed. But like, where are his parents? Like, is he just out frozen. there alone? They're they're for frozen. I guess <laughs> that that was he doesn't know that Mister Freeze is evil. He's like, I want this kid, and he freezes the parents, <laughs> and then he becomes the Batman later on. <laughs> we, we got a whole thing. Yeah, there's indigenous, a whole there. indigenous Batman. Why not? Yeah. Why not? I'm down for it. Um, but yeah, it's a really great film. And I, I also mm. love th- this. This film has two things that I love car chases and an ending sequence where everyone's trying to escape a burning building. Yeah. Where it's just like, everyone's trying to escape Batman, like gets picked up uh, Batman, Nora, uh, Nuktuck and uh, Barbara get pulled up in the bat wing. And Batman's like, if I don't come back, like leave without me. And he dives in to go get freeze. I, I love stuff like that. Yeah, no, I agree. It, and like, it's, it shows like the, 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 like the, the, oh, not necessarily respect, but like Batman sees his villains still as like people, you know, yeah. and he was willing to, it's, it's not like it was, he was willing to let him burn in a building or burn an oil rig just because he wanted his wife to live. You know? And I think, I think Bruce like understands kind of where, where freeze comes from. And I, I, I think that's very interesting. And we do get that really sweet ending too. The ending's where, great. I love oh, that ending. You see that Nora has been cured. She's living her life. And mm-hmm. Victor freeze is just kind of like outside looking in on this news report. And you see him, he cries and then he walks off into the, uh, into the snow with his polar bear friends. Like it's great. It's great. And like, I, I've always felt like, I, I, I have like the, 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 the retooling with Heart of Ice and with the Nora motivations with Freeze is great. Obviously, it's fantastic. But I have always felt like it's a sort of double edged sword because it works very well for, for BTS because there's a clear ending with, with the character and with BTS and everything. Yeah. For the comics, how, how much can you keep doing that though? Yeah. When, like, I, because I remember New 52 tried this weird thing where they were like, yeah, oh, really he made up angle. Nora and he was just, he's just evil again. And I wasn't into that, but at the back of my head, I was like, well, how much, 
it's different because like yeah. are we really gonna have him keep doing bad things to save his wife and batman's just not gonna help at all are we still <laughs> like just gonna keep doing that for like 50 more like there's not the longevity of it and i feel like freeze is a character that if you're gonna make him sympathetic like that he needs like an end and he needs like a yeah. happy ending to justify everything mm-hmm. or you go like a little bit more tragic with it and like push him down to, like a d- darker paths and stuff right um and i think it worked really I, I think it worked really well for this movie yeah absolutely agree like you could this could be your last mr freeze story yeah like he just goes off and we never see him again because the world thinks he's dead yeah at the end of this they're he's like the oh cold. he blew he's up chilling literally he blew up in the oil rig and it's like how did you get the photos of this how did you get the footage of this but like it's it's peter a Parker great there. He, <laughs> he webbed up the, 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 the peter's just like oh this is great the bugle's gonna love this <laughs> Jameson's gonna gonna pay me so much for this. Parker, where did you go? Like, but it's it's a great movie. It's super underrated. Again, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's amazing. Um, and then we come to a quick pit stop because originally it was supposed to have a sequel as well. That was just gonna be called Batman Arkham, and it oh. was pitched by Boyd Kirkland, who was gonna return and write and direct it and the elevator pitch was again just like they originally had for uh, mask of phantasm he said batman and robin trapped in arkham they're going to fight their way out it's going to feature a new love interest voiced by angie Harmon, who voiced uh barbara gordon in batman beyond and that was the whole thing it's batman and robin they're in arkham they're going to fight their way out and eventually you know it got to the planning stage but then they were like you know, we're just, we're going to do this other film instead. We're going to scrap your stuff. We're going to do this one. And that other film ended up being Return of the Joker. So I guess it kind of worked out. But yeah, it was a while, another five years before we got another Batman film that was set in the uh, Batman, the animated series slash new Batman adventures like era. And that was Mystery of the Batwoman. Uh, directed by Kurt Gaeta, uh, written by Michael Reeves and Alan Burnett. This was another direct-to-video uh, set in between New Batman Adventures and the Justice League. Uh, you'll see like little slight changes of designs, different changes of cast. It was released uh, October 21st, 2003. And this one has a bunch of new cast members <laughs> because, spoiler alert, there's three Batwomen in this. And I wanted to make sure, I mean, technically four, if you count the actual voice of Batwoman. But we'll start there. Uh, Kyra Sedgwick uh, plays the voice of Batwoman when she's in the costume. If you don't know the name, uh, she voiced Lois Lane in the animated New Frontier movie. And if you're a fan of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, she was also uh, Captain Holt's mortal enemy, Madeline Wunsch. Oh, I didn't know that was, I don't know she did voice acting. That's cool. Yeah, I, did, I had no idea either until I was looking it up because I think she does a bang up job with this. She's yeah. dynamic. She's fun. She's flirty. And she's incredibly self-sufficient, which is amazing to see with a Batwoman character. Um, and then the three identities of the Batwoman that are kind of passed around. Uh, first off, uh, Elisa Gabrielli plays Sonia Alcana, who is this new detective on the force, Harvey Bullock's partner. Uh, I think she's mostly well known for this and for playing Nana in Madagascar and its sequel, Madagascar 2. Uh, insert whatever the subtitle is here. Escape to Africa. That's the one. There it See, is. this or is why you bring a toy. This has been my thing for my entire life. Is it Madagascar 2 Escape Africa or Madagascar Escape to Africa? Because the poster is not clear. 
That's a whole debate. Because <laughs> there's a big two in between Escape ah. in Africa, but it's 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 a whole thing. I don't know. It's like the Shrek Forever After or Final Chapter. There was that's a whole thing. Never mind. That's we're talking, be the next we're time. talking Batwoman right now. It's going to be the next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're just going to spend two hours debating on whether it's Escape Africa or Escape to Africa. <laughs> um, the other Batwoman is Dr. Roxanne Rocky Valentine, who is played by Kelly Ripa. Yeah, that Kelly Ripa. Oh. Of Regis and Kelly. Oh, of, of Generation Gap. <laughs> exactly. Uh, of Riverdale fame. Uh, she, she was in Riverdale? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. She oh, was wow. one of the, uh, I think she was one of the teachers later on. That's fine. In, after the good, show good got batshit. Glad, glad you're getting roles, Kelly. <laughs> she's, you know, she's Get that Riverdale paycheck. <laughs> get that Riverdale, get that CW paycheck while you still can. <laughs> before they scrap that whole network. Oh, jeez. And then I would say the main uh, Batwoman is Kathy Duquesne, who's played yeah. by Kimberly Brooks, who I was really excited to find out. Uh, if you're a Mass Effect fan, she plays Ashley Williams. Uh, she is one of the love interests in the first, or I mean, throughout the entire game. And she also, in Arkham Asylum and Arkham City, played Barbara Gordon. Oracle. Oh. Fascinating. That's cool. That's she got... Unfortunately, uh, recast in Arkham Knight when we actually see her. But yeah. for the first two games, that's who was Oracle. So that was, I, thought that was pretty cool. I liked her the most. I liked yeah. that character the most of those games. She's great. Hmm. Uh, we also got uh, Kevin Michael Richardson as Carlton yes. Duquesne. I love Kevin Michael Richardson so much. He's, he's a voice where I'm like, pro- probably he's one of them. I love him so much. I like I. He's a voice where like I don't recognize him for like a solid like two minutes. I'm like, oh shit, that's Kevin Michael Richardson. Yeah. Oh fuck, I love him already. Because <laughs> I, I think because I hear Tombstone all the time. I'm like, yeah, I love. Yep, him. that's the one. Yeah. That like he is goals for a voice yeah. actor. Like you want to be able to like only recognize his voice after you've been already committed to watching whatever he's in. <laughs> it's yeah, he's and he's when you can do a Keith David impression for an entire series, that's impressive. Oh god. He's so good. He's so good. He's so, so good. good. Bring in Tombstone. Bring, Bring more Tombstone. Tombstone. Yeah. If uh, if you've watched Troy's, which by the time Big, this comes out, you should have watched Troy's video. Big Tombstone fan. Bring more That's Tombstone. Me. Yeah. Um, and then we also got uh, Hector Elizondo as Bane and David Ogden Steers as Penguin, who were, this is the only time that these voice actors actually voice these characters because they're usually played by other people. That's right. Because I was like, oh, this Penguin voice. Because I don't remember Penguin very much from yeah. BTS or the animated series. I was like, oh, this is not what I expected Penguin to sound like. But that's cool. That yeah, explains he, a lot. He's he's played by David Ogden Steers, who, if you are familiar with the Disney catalog, he was the main, he was the villain of Pocahontas. Oh. Uh, Rathcliffe or Rathburn or whatever his name is. Oh. He's the evil guy. Okay. Um. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't know why that recasting was done, but they're great in the movie. Yeah. They're both good, uh, even though this is the uh, the dominatrix design for Bane, which yeah. I don't love. I preferred straight up just Luchador. Yeah, Bane. it's better than the Batman 2004. So like the bar is pretty low for me. Yeah, you're not it's wrong. Better than, it's better than Dark Knight. Like Bane, I'm like, all right, as, as long as he's not white, I kind of I'm fine. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this film obviously 
uh, is centered around the mystery of who is this new Batwoman. Um, at the same time, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Again, it's Batman versus the mob, except they include, you know, the Penguin and Bane. I really love the Batwoman design. You can tell they were clearly aping off of Batman Beyond for it, which gives yeah. a nice little in-universe, like, oh, this is where he got the idea from. But that design is so clean. It's, it's really, really, good. really cool. I kind of wish that, that was, I like, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm curious the like timeline of like Kate Kane in the comics with She's this. After this. Yeah, I, I would assume. I kind of wish that they went with this design for her because I, I, I like the Kate Kane design and stuff, but like this design is really nice. It's really clean. Yeah, it's great for animation. Yeah, it's just simple enough. Like I am surprised that they haven't used this more in animation. Yeah, because it's so easy to use. Um, we never generally find out what happens to this character so but i think it's a really uh really good film and it has arguably the best inclusion in any of these films which is betcha never by sheree an absolute banger that no one seems to remember i do i i remember watching i was like oh this is fun this is interesting because coming off of like phantasm because i did phantasm (laughs) on this i was like oh (laughs) this is a different vibe i was not expecting this (laughs) and they they go as far as to insert her into the film performing the song in the iceberg lounge, which doesn't happen enough anymore. Like one of the best things about arcane is watching imagine dragons actually in arcane. I didn't know they did that. That's I need to watch arcane so bad. You, you haven't. Wa- so oh my God. Troy, you got to watch arcane. Listen, you know, TV is really difficult for me. I'm making freaking 45 minutes Spider-Man videos. Okay. <laughs> That's All true. Right? That's a lot. That's a lot. When, when when I was doing my Batman Beyond pitch, I like had to shut everything off because I couldn't I couldn't focus on anything else. But when you do get to it, I need to watch. I've seen clips and it's gorgeous. It's incre- It's like genuine. Genuinely, it might have been the favorite my favorite TV show of last year. Really, okay. it was incredible. And as someone who enjoys animation, like you are gonna love it from a character okay. standpoint, uh, world building standpoint. And I don't know if you're a League of Legends guy. I'm, I'm not. not. Yeah. This is perfect. Okay. Because cool. anyone I've talked to who has been like a League of Legends person, I'm like, do I need to know anything? They're like, no, it's almost better that you don't know anything. Okay. I'm like, great. <laughs> great okay. show. Probably, honestly, I might try it. I might start it tonight. I'm not doing much else do it. tonight. Do okay. it. You, you've earned your two weeks of rest. <laughs> so just spend that time watching some Arcane. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's honestly the the whole series. It, it slaps. The animation's incredible, okay. and again, it features Imagine Dragons as themselves performing their music. We need this more. I agree. we need more of Scooby Doo Sugar Ray performing Sugar Ray music. Perfect on, example. I think a solid music video for an unrelated artist. Perfect uh, example. Casey Gray turned out to be really transphobic, but similar to that for Spider Man. Yeah, <laughs> that's really unfortunate. That ruined that movie for me. That was the breaking point. But hopefully in the Batman 2, 2 Bat, 2 Furious, we're going to have the shift from Nirvana into My Chemical Romance. And then we'll just have My Chemical Romance perform at the Iceberg Lounge. That could be good. It's going to be great. Yeah. Because that, that that's that's my timeline of events. He goes but Nirvana. Do we, think, do we think Rob would 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 switch teams so easily? I don't think he would. I think he's I don't Nirvana think it would be life. about switching teams. It's about broadening your your portfolio. That's you can't true. Just keep listening that's the, to the, less, same song. that's the moral of the last one of of, the, of 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 embracing a bigger concept of what. Oh, there we go. Of what music can be. <laughs> that's music. really what it's been all about. <laughs> it's him discovering 
other forms of music. Yeah, he's just he's going to show up and he's going to be listening to some Linkin Park. Dude, he's going to go and he's going to have some Blink One Eighty Two playing in the background. It's going to be great. We're going to go through all of them. Yeah, every genre. Blink One Eighty Two would be a great inclusion. That would be just, fun. Just have them play "I Miss You" in the Batcave <laughs> when he's like he looking a, at a photo of his parents. He like, just has a stage for different for different bands <laughs> for different and bands like, to just come. He's like, hey, please don't tell anybody, but I am Bruce Wayne and I am a big fan. <laughs> that was one of the things I I kind of loved and wish was involved more in Gotham, because like, did you watch Gotham at all? I watched the first like four episodes, and I know it got fun. I couldn't get past the first season, but I do. I did okay. hear that it got very fun. But then you've you've got the basis for yeah. Fish Mooney's like club where she yes. had like people performing like just do that there's perfect opportunity there yeah perfect opportunity and you can get more budget because the people could pay to be on for advertising that's what it is and you can spend that budget on the batman costume we've cracked the code we've cracked <laughs> the code uh warner brothers just just hear us out warner brothers stop listening to dave and pay attention to us <laughs> stop listening to your evil corporate executive and listen to more comic tube yeah. and comic podcasts <laughs> if but you yeah, put this, this on youtube you could be part of comic tube it's all you got to do it's all you got to do like, i'm technically part of comic tube yeah because i have one single video that was uploaded to the geeks flame youtube channel there we go talking about doom patrol which is a comic book so technically i'm under that i'm secretly under that umbrella hell yeah you are i'm like the Batman. You don't know that I'm there, but you don't know that I'm not there. I'm everywhere. Uh, but yeah, I I really enjoy this movie. I think it's uh, a great kind of cap off if you want to call it like a trilogy. Which obviously there's a fourth film, Batman and Harley Quinn. We're gonna get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Mystery of the Batwoman's a great like older Batman movie. Yeah, and I like kind of the James Bondisms of it. Where it's like there's that underlining mystery, there's espionage, there's the mob. We got this, you know, you, you've you've got the this great. I don't want to call her like a Bond girl because I feel like that's still like even though they've done a lot to improve those she's roles, like a it still feels Bond derivative. Girl in that term, yeah, she's like what Anna Darmus was in um, exactly, yeah, aka the best character in that yeah. movie. Uh, Anna Darmus, best character in every movie she's in, yeah, but it's. It's a great, I, I think it's a great kind of bridging the gap. It's like, this happens, this happens, Justice League, and then Return of the Joker. Yeah. Where everything just goes really wrong for everybody. <laughs> this is still the fun times. Um. No, yeah, I agree. And like, it's it's interesting because this feels most like compared, when you compare it to Phantasm and Sub-Zero, this is still a great movie, but it feels more like a, just a two-parter episode yeah i was 100%. i remember starting i was like oh it's we already we're not introduced to the characters we're not like like i obviously i know who <laughs> batman is but i'm like i kind of expected like a oh we get to meet everybody but he's like oh hey robin i'm like okay oh that's a different robin oh he's short okay he's great i love him <laughs> shout out to tim drake who's not shout technically tim drake. tim drake but is also tim drake and jason todd who knows is barely jason todd it's just, it's just that he was the second one uh, he was a street urchin and his dad oh, was part right. of the mob and Two-Face oh, was involved. Right. I forgot of he's yeah. He's more Jason Todd than he is Tim Drake. That's right. In that show. Hey, but we, but, got Jason, we have Jason Todd now in the comics. Oh, God. That was... 
<laughs> Did you like that? I, I was... don't know. I didn't. I didn't read very much of it. <laughs> I have like, a hard I liked, time keeping up with those. That's Maddie's that job. Maddie, Maddie will read it and then they will talk to me about it, and I'll be like, "Cool." Yeah, the, the the way that I was consuming that series was just watching their video recaps of it. I'm like, oh, okay, that's what's happening. Okay. Great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's I, I think that it does definitely fe- uh, function as like a big old like finale to the new Batman adventures, yeah. like a two part finale better than that weird uh, Two-Face episode yeah. at the end of the series, which is not a good finale whatsoever. Um, but I like that you get you get this love story and then you get that awkward reference to bruce wayne and barbara gordon hooking up yeah yeah it's really (laughs) off-putting that that's like canon in dcau it's it's not even canon it's a lot of canon there's so many parts of it and i think that's part of why i never like tried to it's it's always been because i think this was the one of the first if not the first experience i had with vitas as lore i was like i don't know how i even as like my child self i don't even know how i i don't know how i feel about that as a concept and then they just kept going with it and then lego batman did it and then bruce tim kept doing it more i was like all right okay we we're really into this as a concept now and i'm not a fan and then it 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 jumped whole hog into it with that killing joke adaptation. Yeah, which... I hopefully hopefully that killed it. Hopefully that it's hopefully. dead. Because the reaction to that was appropriate, <laughs> yeah. I will say. Because <laughs> like even I mean even in this film, it's almost like they're trying to walk it back because yeah. like he's on the phone with her like in the car and she's just she's being flirty, and she's like, oh, you know. I kind of looked like you had a new partner, which I mean, if you did, I would be really upset by that. And he just starts going like, we're breaking up, which I don't know if you've ever done it, but I've definitely pulled that. Not for that specific reason, (laughs) but like being on the phone with somebody and you're kind of like ready to end the conversation. Just like, I'm going through a time. Have you, sorry, I (laughs) caught back. And then you just hang up. Like Batman's never been more relatable. Yeah. I think like it's interesting. I, th- I think that scene on its own is is fun because you could perceive that as oh she has a crush on him and he's just like uncomfortable with that, right? And just doesn't want to address it. Um, although at the rest of the everybody around him is like oh, and I'm like eh, yeah. okay, Tim. <laughs> Tim, and you and her get together like, in the Arkham universe. <laughs> yeah, you can't say anything. Yeah. bald headed Eminem, Tim. <laughs> you don't get to. Um, but then the, the later revelations of not just like just Killing Joke, but like the Batman Beyond comic Ugh. and all that stuff. I'm like, Oof. oh, yeah, that makes it weird. I've never been. It's it Bruce Tim's obsessed with it for some reason. And I've never been in a fan. I don't. And I don't I don't know if it's like a I don't want to speculate because mm-hmm. that gets weird yeah. about real people. But like it's always struck me as a weird pairing, especially when they already established that dick grayson and barbara are a thing and yeah that's... and in sub-zero it's never it doesn't feel it there's not it, it sub-zero feels like a father like daughter relationship if anything yeah and and at the start of that movie it's like oh they're starting to like dick's putting the feelers out and he's like oh you want to like go to this super cool jazz festival yeah. that we're gonna see like he's such a dork in that and i, I love it, it. i love it so good oh it's so good uh, and then he goes through his hot phase where he becomes Nightwing and just starts dressing in darker colors. Maybe she wasn't too. into the mullet. Maybe that's the issue. Maybe that's what happened. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's well, no official maybe she, lore. She's got bad taste then. That, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Mullets are coming back. If you, stand, if you can't handle me at my mullet, you can't handle me at my uh, chasing you down on a motorcycle. <laughs> you don't deserve me at my, my motorcycle chase. I've I've now, and I'm going to, when I go through this again for editing, I'm now just going to make a collection of Troy clips and Troy this quotes. This is a good idea. Honestly, hold it against me. Five years. It, it's just, <laughs> I'm going to put them out with like these, like those inspirational work posters. <laughs> If you can't handle me at my mullet, you don't deserve me at my chase you down on a motorcycle. <laughs> like all of these things. But yeah, it's um it's a it's a good film. I would say it's probably like if I had to rank them and let's let's just get into this ranking before we talk about Batman and Harley Quinn cuz it's on a different scale, I think. Yeah. Um I'd probably go Mystery of the Batwoman and then it gets real murky yeah. because Mask of the Phantasm is the gold standard, but I loved watching Sub-Zero, man. Yeah. I think it's Sub-Zero really is a tighter movie as like a, as a script. It's it's it it feels like everything's in its place and everything fits very well in like the mystery of it. Like cuz I I think rewatchability for Sub-Zero is a little bit better than Phantasm. For sure. Cuz Phantasm, totally you know, once you find out Andrea's Andrea Beaumont is, is phantasm. Sorry for the spoilers. I guess I don't know. Um, uh, like it's, it doesn't ruin the movie by any means, but that some of that allure, allure is kind of taken away versus yeah. the mystery in sub zero is how are we going to get Barbara back? Which is right. kind of a perpetual thing, you know? Absolutely. Um, and I think it's, it's not as dark yeah. in that, you know, when you, when you talk about like a rewatchability factor, which helps tremendously. Yeah. I think like in terms of the vibes, Phantasm probably tops it. And I think in terms of like the overall, like the big picture of it. Yeah. But like there are certain elements of Sub-Zero where I'm like, I'm a little bit more into this, I think, you know? Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's very much a, a Spider-Man or a, like a, not to, because I'm a Spider-Man channel, apparently, uh, <laughs> like a Spider-Man 2 to a Spider-Verse where I'm like, I'm not going to choose. I like them both. It's and there tough. we go. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. And I think when you... I mean, there is, again, there is the betcha never factor of it all that we can't ignore with Mystery of the Batwoman. <laughs> but I will say it's it. The timelessness of BTAS with what it was in Mask of the Phantasm and in Sub-Zero and especially the factors of it, like this could be the last great Mr. Freeze story, yeah. I think does help it in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough call. It's a tough call between those. Um, before we get into the uh, the Batman and Harley Quinn of it all, um, I just want to say thanks again for coming on the show. It's always oh, thank you a pleasure. Thank you for having um, me. I'm happy to be. I'm happy to finally be on here because I've been yeah. been listening for quite a while, and uh, it's it's good to be here. It's 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 been a long time coming, and it won't be the last time for sure. Um, if uh, if listeners want to talk to you and yell at you about your uh, your spider-man pitches or yeah. follow up with what you're doing uh where would they find you uh you can find me on youtube at uh, uh troy boy 17 um or twitter at troy boy 17 uh and that's just, i don't really use instagram but that's also troy i'm very consistent with my handles um and uh, or uh, the podcast fanboy talk uh which is on spotify and app all the spot all the podcast wherever you're listening to this on it's going to be on there too so uh yeah yeah, I, I endorse all of yeah. those plugs except for that last one because, again, we have to reiterate we are in direct competition yeah. with each other. Yeah. 
You so, are stealing time away from me now to make my the next episode. We have been gone for like four weeks, so maybe we're not in competition anymore. <laughs> which is which is the whole reason I did this. The longer, <laughs> the more appearances that Troy makes on my podcast, the less time he has for his podcast. Because Mithy was like, "Oh, I'm just going to go on vacation during all the Warner Brothers stuff." <laughs> so I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> well, you know, I, I I think if you come back at the end of September, you'll have enough to fill like yeah the entirety of october with stuff to talk about true well i the thing is though it's like when's it gonna end it's gonna keep going forever all the warner brothers stuff we're gonna keep i mean until we show up and you know phantasm david zaslav i'm not advocating (laughs) it it. i'm not saying that that we're doing record to show i want my lawyer to say to know that i didn't say it specifically uh his his lawyer at a hell's kitchen he didn't do anything (laughs) uh though him and he, and he again, listens to podcasts because he can't watch youtube videos <laughs> that is incredibly correct uh but i will say that him being okay on this podcast does mean that he shares my views and um, oh man my plan so oh i uh, gotta go to jail now. legally binding <laughs> podcasting but uh yeah um it's it's a great I think looking back on like the 30 years of Batman, the animated series and all of these films as part of that larger, uh, you know, part of the larger legacy of it is pretty fascinating. It's, it's, it speaks to the staying power of something like this. Um, again, before we get to uh, Batman, Harley Quinn, do you have any like, I don't know, like grand thoughts about the series as a whole or any final thoughts on it's, you know, it's being so popular even 30 years on. I think it's, it's, you mentioned staying power and you kind of got me thinking like most show, most animated series aside from like, like classic eighties ones, like, like a GI Joe or transformers, the majority of television from nineties, early two thousands, majority of television in general is just like, it's meant to be it's meant to air you watch it on the week maybe you watch the season on a dvd or on a netflix like or you know if it's really popular you get a seinfeld or a friends and it's to get syndicated or something for the most part a lot of tv is meant to be released watched and then just kind of it's just okay now it just exists in the 1990s and you forget about it or it's it's an era it's a relic of the time and I think it's so interesting how superhero media, and specifically BTAS and, and, and the, the entire DCAU has kind of withstood that that test of time in a way that like you look back at BTAS and like, yeah, the animation looks a bit older, but it's not inherently mm-hmm. like, oh, this is a 90s cartoon. Oh, this is a, you know, like you don't feel the datedness of it in a way that you right. would with something like, I, I'm not going to call it, you know, there are a lot of nineties animated series that don't age as well. And I think it's very impressive to the production and the writing and the animation and the, the voice cast, like everybody involved with it made something that can, can be viewed and enjoyed for like generations. And I think that's so important. And that's the goal of any storytelling, I think to make stuff that lasts, you know, not just yeah. content. Couldn't, couldn't say it better myself. If there is anything that I would not just give the content label to, it's Batman the Animated Series for sure. That's a hot so, take. It's not content. It's not it's better content. than a Mr. Beast video. Oh, God. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so I guess that wraps up the uh, Batman the Animated Series celebration. 30 years. Happy 30 years to uh, Batman the Animated Series. And thanks for uh, coming in, ringing in the uh, the 30-year anniversary. And thank you to all the guests that we've had uh, so far for this, uh, for this thing. It was a good time. It was a really good it time. Was. And I'm thanks glad so you were able to come on to this. Won't be the last time we bring you on. I hope not. Unless, unless if something goes horribly wrong, unless something, unless that's not I, a really, that's not a way I was talking like audio quality or something, but that sounded like I was going to like die or something. So I, never mind. It's, like, it's like, I'm just waiting for this to like drop on September and in the span of when we record this to when we release this, Troy does something really cancelable. Yeah. I pull it, I pull Ezra Miller and I'm just like unworkable. <laughs> you mean you, you do a bunch of crimes and then you still get your movie Face no release? consequences. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, like Ezra Miller. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks again for doing this. Oh, okay, almost forgot. Yeah, Batman and Harley Quinn. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Ooh, welcome back to this week's comics countdown. This is the segment of our show where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be checking out this week, whether it's at your local comic book shop, a comicsology, or however you get your comics. These are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geek Explain Pick of the Week of last week. And there were some contenders, let me tell you. Ultimately, though, I chose Batman Superman World's Finest number seven, written by Mark Wade, art by Dan Mora. It kicked off the brand new Boy Thunder arc of the series, and this book, it's it's incredible. It is perfect superhero storytelling. It's the exact story that we need from DC Comics right now, and I just, I love it. I love it so much. So go check it out. Go catch up on the previous six issues and check out the most recent issue, issue number seven that dropped last week if you have not yet. But that's last week. And this week, we are sending off September uh, the right way because we have 15 books. Oh, my wallet is not going to be happy with me. Um, 15 books to chat about. So let's go ahead and dive into this list, kicking things off with a pretty special book from Aftershock Comics. This is Hell is a Squared Circle, number one. This is written by Francesco Biagini with art by Chris Condon. And it's another pro wrestling book. Uh, I've been shouting into the sky about how much I love Do a Powerbomb. And when I heard that we were getting another pro wrestling book, this one a little bit more serious in in subject matter than Do a Powerbomb, I was immediately hyped to read this. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Ted the Irish Muska Walsh is a third-tier wrestling heel with a problem. Himself. He's behind on rent, child support, and his career, but he thinks he can change things. As he attempts to take control of his life, his actions leave him with blood on his hands. Ted finds himself on the run from the authorities and the darkness of his past. As Ted tries to escape his former self and build a new, better future, his mistakes come back to haunt him, in the ring and out of it. 
So I don't know how many issues this is, but I am super into the idea of this. If you are a pro wrestling fan and you enjoy the Vice uh, Dark Side of the Ring series, I think this is going to be right up your alley. Next up, jumping over to Marvel, we got Thunderbolts number two. This is written by Jim Zub with art by Sean Izakse, and I really dug that first issue. There's some uh, some interesting stuff going on in this book. I don't think you should be sleeping on it, especially now that we have that Thunderbolts film in the works. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Who is Egro the Unbreakable? How will his strange power help New York's only official superhero team battle their enemies and balance their budget? Read on and discover, true believers. Short, sweet, to the point, I am very much looking forward to picking this book up. I I like the energy that the book brings, and I like the roster. I wasn't sure about it when it was announced, but having this be like the government-sanctioned super team for New York uh, has a lot of narrative possibilities that I'm excited to dive into. Next up, we have Defenders Beyond number three. This is written by Al Ewing with art by Javier Rodriguez. And this book's been great so far. I've been really enjoying it. The first two issues were dynamite. And I'll be honest with you, having America Chavez in two different books at the same time is the correct choice. It feels correct. And I am so excited to continue to read this book. I love the roster. I think that Blue Marvel should be at least in every other book. So I'm really excited. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Loki's defenders manage to escape the second cosmos and the beyonder, but Taya is grievously wounded in the process, and none of Loki's or Blue Marvel's expertise seems to be helping. Enter the Phoenix. But what is the price of a Universal Constant's aid? So, yeah, I'm super stoked about this. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, Taya is Galactus's mom from the previous universe. And so combining her with the Phoenix is going to be interesting. Next up, we have X-Men number 15. This is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Joshua Kassara. Um, this doesn't have the label of the uh, Judgment Day tie-in, so I believe this is taking place afterward i want to say uh we're not sure uh we do have a judgment day x-men special coming up but that might be the place to look for the uh the tie-in that's going into that and i'll have another uh, i'll be speaking on another tie-in in just a second here but this looks like we are marching forward with what's been going on in the x-men books and i'm very excited about this let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis Fear the children. The children of the vault, hyper-evolved humans from a society whose time moves much faster than our own. Each time the X-Men defeat them, they retreat to their home, evolving further to a new, more advanced generation. This time, they will not be stopped so easily. So the vault's been kind of this looming threat on Krakoa, and I have been waiting for them to follow up on this, especially since Sync has been such a big part of these X-Men books. So I am really excited to see how that progresses. Uh, definitely look into that and make sure you pick this up. Next up, we have Batman Beyond the White Knight number five. This is written and illustrated by Sean Gordon Murphy with colors by Dave Stewart, and it's been great. I feel like it hasn't been coming out as frequently as it should maybe that's just me and maybe time is a flat circle and i'm just not paying attention but i feel like we should be further along in the story 
But either way, I've been enjoying it. It's a fresh take on the Batman Beyond formula, and I like that we are kind of combining this with a weird, different version of Dark Knight Returns. It's kind of smashing the two of them together. I'm looking forward to picking this up. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Gotham's most wanted, Jackie Quinzel, has been spotted at Wayne Industries. Now it's up to the former vigilante Bruce Wayne and his new sidekick, the Joker, to break her out. But Derek Powers is always one step ahead, with tech ready to combat any tricks they may have up their sleeves. Is the dynamic duo doomed, or will a Dark Knight in future tech armor come to their rescue? So yeah, again, it's a very fresh take on the Beyond, on the Batman Beyond formula with a little bit of Arkham Knights, you know, just spliced in there just a little bit. If you're reading the book, you'll know what I'm talking about. But I'm expecting some big surprises from this book as we get further along. So make sure you pick this up. Next up, we have Judgment Day Avengers number one. This is the tie-in that I was speaking about. Um, Avengers and X-Men are each getting individual tie-ins now. That's not going to interfere with the main book anymore. So I guess we're just doing one tie-in each for those books, even though they're the main teams involved. But... Either way, we've got uh, Judgment Day Avengers number one. This is written by Kieran Gillen with art by Federico Vincentini. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. The first story critical AXE one shot. Uh, okay, I don't love that that's how they're referring to it. Um, it kind of makes all the other you know, tie-ins feel like, ugh, I don't... Mm. Interesting. But, I mean, it that means it's important. They want you to know right away, pick this up. So it reads, He spent his life building suits to protect himself. But now, Tony Stark has to enter a suit of armor that could kill us all. Can he survive? Can anyone? Yeah, it's fascinating that we've come to this position where this Celestial is about to kill the world. And it's mostly due to the fact that Tony built this thing and then reanimated it. So I am excited to dive further into that and kind of get into the complications and implications of this. Looking forward to picking this up. Next up, a big book we've got in store. It's Action Comics number 1047. This is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by David LaFam and Ricardo Federici. And this is kicking off the Cal-El Returns event. It's going to be stretching across this book as well as Superman, Son of Cal-El. I love this cover right away. It is dynamite. Really, really love how Superman looks very um, George Reeves. So I am all in in checking this out, at least for the cover alone. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Cal-El Returns Part 1. In the aftermath of Superman's epic War World Revolution, the Man of Steel is back on Earth and stronger than he's ever been. As he and Steel join forces to remake Metropolis as a true city of tomorrow, two of Superman's most iconic villains take notice, and they have plans of their own. Meanwhile, Superman's meddling on War World has had unforeseen consequences. He's awakened an enemy so ancient and powerful, even the stronger-than-ever Superman will need the whole Super family to face it. Introducing new characters and beginning this new chapter in Superman's mythology, don't miss the kickoff to the countdown to Action Comics number 1050. 
I'm assuming 1050 is where we're going to get the blow off to uh, Kal-El Returns, but I'm here for the ride. I'm interested to see what story that uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson has in store for this event. Next up, we have Ant-Man number three. This is written by Al Ewing with art by Tom Riley. This book's just been fun. Really, really fun. First two issues focusing on Hank Pym and uh, Eric O'Grady, respectively, have been a really cool look back on the history of not just Ant-Man, but also Marvel Comics. And I'm interested to see where they drop us into for the Scott Lang-focused story. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. In the present, okay, well, I guess that answers that question. (laughs) The current Ant-Man, Scott Lang, has been tasked by the Avengers with a very important mission. Guard the prison holding Ultron. But the evil Black Ant slash Eric O'Grady has other ideas that may spell doom for humanity. Don't miss this epic journey through Ant-Man's history. I've been really enjoying this, and we also got the announcement that they're doing a Wasp series in the same exact vein, so I'm excited. Can't wait to pick this book up. Next up, we have Detective Comics number 1064. This is written by Rom V and Simon Spurrier with art by Raphael Albuquerque and Danny. And I will fully admit i was skeptical about this detective comics run because i love 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 mariko tamaki's work on the title but this book is setting up for something very special and i'm excited to see where the story takes us so let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis it's a tango to the death as batman dances with an old flame while trying not to catch on fire Using the new information about black noise, Batman investigates the music box in his possession some more, which leads him to question whether music is actually able to contain physics-altering properties. Later, this theory is tested with Two-Face. Two-Face had a really strong showing last week with the... um, with the one bad day one shot not as good as the Riddler one shot, I have to say. Um, It felt tonally different but i thought it was still really really good and i'm always excited to see more harvey dent so i'm looking forward to picking this up for sure next up we have the amazing spider-man number 10 this is written by zeb wells with art by nick dragota and this is back-to-back tie-ins. Last issue was the Hellfire Gala tie-in, just two months too late. And this issue, just a event whiplash, is throwing us right into Judgment Day for this uh, testing of Peter Parker, judging him through the eyes of Gwen Stacy. So that's going to be really interesting. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. It's time for Spider-Man to be judged, and I think we all know which moment in Spidey's history is going to weigh heavily on the proceedings. You don't want to miss this very special issue that might just break your heart all over again. So I'm going to take a bet with you all. I'm going to just make a prediction, and next week we'll come back and discuss it. I think Spidey's getting the thumbs up. I think it's very easy to give him the thumbs down based purely on the Gwen Stacy incident. And if they're looking at just the incident itself, then there is a possibility that he gets the thumbs down for potentially having killed her. But I think with how this, uh, how the celestial has been judging everyone and how the celestial has been 
grading on a curve, let's say, uh, I think the effect on him is going to be taken into account. And, I mean, Spidey's the flagship. They're not going to thumbs down Spidey. They took the gigantic leap of giving the thumbs down to Cap, and I don't think they're going to give it to Spidey as well. So Spidey's getting a thumbs up. That's my prediction. Next up, we have a brand new number one, one that I know my fellow co-host on the Explained Book Club has been absolutely chomping at the bit for it's tim drake robin number one this is written by megan fitzmartin with art by riley rosmo and i am stoked for this book let me tell you i've been waiting for a tim drake book you know how long i've been waiting for a tim drake book and by god we've got ourselves a tim drake book so let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis Step aside, Damien. The world's favorite Robin has got this. That's right. After years away, Tim Drake is taking center stage in a brand spanking new Robin series of his very own. A mystery over a year in the making takes shape, as a new villain who's been hounding Tim from afar decides to take things up close and personal, putting Bernard and everyone else Tim cares about in peril as things go from bad to worse for the world's oldest and canonically tallest Robin. No, I will not be fact-checking that. All that and Tim finally carves out a corner of Gotham City just for himself and sets up a shop in his very own murder shack boat? Fan favorite writer Megan Fitzmartin teams up with beloved Harley Quinn artist Riley Rossmo to define the next chapter in Tim's life. And as if that wasn't enough, break out your skateboards and motorcycles because we've assembled a murderous row of artists to draw the 1990s one true Robin in his various looks from over the years. I think with that they're referring to the covers. And goddamn pal, those covers look phenomenal. I'm personally hoping for the uh, Jorge Jimenez one. Uh, The One Year Later era, I think, is probably the one I'm going to be hunting for. Uh, Either that or, and there is next to no chance of me getting it, but the Dan Mora Young Justice uh, cardstock variant is also one I'm going to be hunting for because it's Dan Mora. But if I can get my hands on the Jorge Jimenez One Year Later era, that's going to be the one. That is going to be the one. We will see, though. But I am super stoked about this book. I believe the canonically tallest Robin might be Jason Todd, but that might just be because he has a very thick neck and heavy shoulders. But I am very excited about this book. I cannot wait to read it. And I just, I'm glad that 2022 is the year of Tim Drake. He's been doing real well for himself between this, featuring more in the Batman book and Zdarsky's run, and he's got a video game on the way as of this recording. So cannot wait for all of the rest of 2022 to belong to Tim Drake. Next up, we have Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number five. This is written by Tochio Nyabuchi with art by Julian Shaw and R.B. Silva. And this is continuing the Homeland arc where Sam Wilson's dealing with a lot, okay? He's dealing with drama from all sides. He's dealing with the White Wolf setting his sights on him. And now he's got a fight against Black Panther himself. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. 
It's a showdown between Captain America and Black Panther, with the fate of two countries on the line. And when the dust settles, who will pay the price for Sam Wilson's incursion into Wakanda? Meanwhile, Falcon uncovers a piece of evidence that changes the scope of the mission and exposes the White Wolf's ultimate motive. I'm glad that we are continuing to put a focus on Falcon alongside Cap here. I think walking tours, especially since they announced that uh, the next film is going to feature both of them working together, uh, it's a smart move, and I am very excited to continue on this story. Next up, we have a book that I've been waiting for. It's Superman's Space Age number two. This is written by Mark Russell with art by Michael Allred. Issue one knocked my freaking socks off. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Loved every single page of it. And this one looks to be following up with that and possibly exceeding it. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Superman has arrived and he's out of sight. Right? The world may love him, but the citizens of Metropolis are growing skeptical as the cities around them suffer without the help of the Man of Steel. The world doesn't need saving as much as it needs changing, and Superman and his super friends in the Justice League seem unqualified to save the day the way they once did. Could this be the beginning of the end that Pariah prophesied, or is this just a sign of the times? I am super interested, because as we came to find out, this story is just Superman life story. And I believe the... Yeah, so the first... First issue took place in the 60s. I believe that means this issue is going to be taking place in the 70s. So seeing time pass is going to be fascinating, especially when on the cover, at least, we're showing characters like Batman, like The Flash, like Green Lantern, like Wonder Woman. Seeing how they've constructed a Justice League is going to be really, really interesting because this is a take on the, a fresh take that they do not have to abide by for the, uh, they don't have to abide by the rules preset by other iterations. So I'm very excited about this. Next up, we have Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings number three. This is written by Jean Lun Yang with art by Marcus Toe. I've been... Very vocal, I believe, about how good this book is, about how good this creative team is. So I don't think I need to sell you on that. But introducing the Ten Rings, having the espionage angle be brought back into Shang-Chi's book, you're speaking my language. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Shang-Chi has lost the Ten Rings, but who stole them? The answer will shock Shang-Chi as the ring's ultimate power and unknown power is about to be unleashed. I'm very excited about this. The rings were indeed stolen from him at the end of last issue, and who knows what is going to happen. I cannot wait to find out. But the big book of the week, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up, is The Human Target number seven written by tom king art by greg smallwood this is kicking off what they have uh basically titled season two of the human target books seven through 12 to finish off the fairly standard tom king 12 issue maxi series with the exception of supergirl woman of tomorrow only getting eight issues (sighs) 
either way, really excited about Human Target. I love this book. It was pretty consistently the best book that uh, DC had been putting out for most of the year. It went on hiatus, and I was all the sadder for it, but it's finally back, and I can't wait to continue on the story. Let's dive into the synopsis. Chapter 7. To shoe a troop of horse with felt. No idea what that means. After discovering clues, the death of a Green Lantern, and a torrid romance with Tora Olaf's daughter, a.k.a. Ice, DC's top bodyguard may meet his match when Beatriz da Costa, otherwise known as Fire, steps into his life. Only time will tell what secrets this flaming femme fatale might hold, and just how badly the human target might get burned. I'm so excited about this. I love hard-boiled detective noir stories. This is right up my alley. The art by Greg Smallwood is gorgeous. I mean, look at this cover. I mean, you can't because it's audio, but the cover is gorgeous, and I absolutely adore this book. Cannot wait for Human Target to kick back up. But that does it for a giant-sized comics countdown this week. Let's recap. There's been a lot of these. So we have Hell is a Squared Circle, number one. Thunderbolts, number two. Defenders Beyond, number three. X-Men, number 15. Batman Beyond the White Knight, number five. Judgment Day Avengers, number one. Action Comics, number 1047. Ant-Man, number three. Detective Comics, number 1064. The Amazing Spider-Man, number 10. Tim Drake Robin, number one. Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number five. Superman's Space Age, number two. Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, number three. And The Human Target, number seven. Ooh, that is a lot of comics, but what's great about it is they're all quality. This is going to be a big week of comics, so make sure you get to your comic shop so you don't miss out on any of them. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, and especially subscriptions really does help me out and really helps the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space, raises up our stock, and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast. You can write literally whatever you want, and I will be forced to read it. Uh, As long as you give me those five stars, the sky's the limit. And you'll be able to join the likes of our Red 13, including Seafire ND, Josh from Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, Alok and AZ, Sass, and Jedi Jesse 20. I want to say a huge thank you to these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours. If you want to be part of the Geeksplain mailbag, send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com. Put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read it here on the show. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, participate in polls that decide future episodes, and get first notifications when things drop in regards to the podcast, uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at GeeksplainedPod. It's at GeeksplainedPod. We ran a poll last week to decide the future Pitch It episode, so make sure you pay attention 
attention to that Twitter because uh, I'm putting some stuff on there and I, I definitely want feedback. This podcast is by geeks for a geek. And so being able to interact with you all is uh, it's really great. And we're also almost to 350 followers on Twitter. So get us to 350. I would be forever in your debt. Also, last thing to plug, every single Friday, I, alongside my amazing friends, Malcolm Russell Nelson and Jacob Brown, are doing the Geeksplain Book Club. And trust me, this week's book club is a doozy. We are doing Ultimate Spider-Man, and we have come to a flashpoint in the Ultimate Comics Spider-Man story. It's the death of spider-man everything in peter parker's adventures in the 1610 has been leading to this so make sure you tune in on friday as i alongside my amazing friends discuss the death of ultimate spider-man be there or be square not a circle and that really does it. That does it for this week. That does it for this month. Thank you to everyone who's been tuning in for Saturday Morning September. It's been a ton of fun to revisit Batman the Animated Series. I love this show to death. I love the films. I have loved, gosh, everything in regards to this series and the wider universe that spawned out of it. And I was really excited to be able to have some amazing guests to talk to about this. So a huge thank you to Maddie Washburn from Watchtower Database, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Matt Draper from Matt Draper, and Troyoboyo17 from Troyoboyo17, all on YouTube. Subscribe to all of their YouTube channels. They are all incredible creators. And it was a blast to just talk about this series with them. Uh, they are all wonderful human beings, good friends of mine, and I am incredibly thankful that I get to have cool guests on this podcast. And it makes me feel cool to talk to cool people about cool things. But that does it for September. And I know what you're thinking. What's going on with October? Well, dear listener, I'm glad you asked, because for the last few years, we've been doing a special called Geektober. Every single October has been dedicated to the spooky season, but we're doing things a little different this time around, because this October, unless you've been living under a rock and you haven't been listening to me just absolutely shout its praises into the sky... We are getting the Gotham Knights video game, which means we're spending the Halloween season in Gotham City for a series that I like to call Geektober Gotham Nights. So tune in for part one of that next week. Same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for the Geeksplain podcast, I've been Eric Azana. Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe, and we will... See you next time.